And here's what I want to ask you. What is holding you back? What is the thing that's holding you back from going after your dreams and from finding meaningful work you love? Aren't you ready to wake up to the possibilities that are in your life and go after the things you've dreamt of? It's time for you to feel alive again, lit up, and for you to know that you're deserving and you are worthy for the future that's waiting for you. I want you to feel fulfilled and find abundance in your life. I think it's time and I'm ready to help you get started. Now I'm your host, Kristen, of Building a Life You Love. And each week on the show, we're going to help you figure out how you do go after your dreams and find work you love. Here we go. Let's get started. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Building a Life You Love podcast. This is your host, Kristen, and I cannot wait to have the conversation today with the founder of Grow Motely. We're going to talk about having a great work culture in our personal culture. We're going to talk about how endless curiosity can really uh, allow us to go after things in our lives. And we're going to talk about going after work that we are passionate about solving the problem for. And we're going to talk about how do we create freedom and flexibility in our own lives. So here we go. Let's get started. Hi, today on the show, I would like to welcome Sarah Hawley. She's a serial entrepreneur and investor and has founded eight companies since 2009. Following three successful multi-million dollar exits, she is currently the founder and CEO of Grow Motely. It's the first platform for sourcing, growing, and leading remote teams. Sarah is also a professional speaker, and she is the author of the book, Conscious Leadership. I'd like to welcome you, Sarah. Uh, Thank you so much for having me, Kristen. Absolutely. I cannot wait to dive into all these topics. I was very impressed with your book. I thought, oh my gosh, this could be so many books in and of itself. And I just thought uh, you could even repurpose it under many titles because, you know, it just had so much good, uh, so many good nuggets in it. And what I would love for you to do first is just share with the listeners a little bit about your backstory and sort of what you're up to now. Yeah, for sure. Um, Well, it's a big question and I'll try to answer it as quickly as I can, (laughs) but I suppose... um, I was entrepreneurial my whole life, although I didn't know it, but I was always having little stalls out the front of my house and selling things. And even if I was like stealing my sister's clothes and my mom's groceries and then putting them out for sale and my mom would be like, what are you doing? (laughs) So I was always kind of doing things like that and creating little businesses. But um, it wasn't until I was in my 20s and I I was studying IT actually at the time, but I asked my dad because he had his own business if he had any spare work that I could do um, just to earn extra money. And I started working with him and I've always been very curious by nature. So I was asking him about the business and how do we make money and what is it we do and just really started finding myself falling in love with business and financial planning, which was what the company was at the time. But I kind of liked both aspects of it. And it felt like a really beautiful, um, I guess, marriage of like what I enjoyed in my life, which was like problem solving and creativity and being able to create solutions for things. Um, And then I did a lot of like travel and adventure in my early 20s. And when I was 25, I came back to Australia and started working full-time for my dad because at that point I had really kind of fallen in love with this industry of financial planning and decided that I was going to work with my dad and potentially one day take over the family business. Um, You know, at that time, I didn't really feel like I still didn't identify as a business owner or an entrepreneur. I, I loved the idea of business, but I don't think I consciously saw myself running the business. I was just very intrigued by it all. But my dad got sick um, for about a year and a half and 
really couldn't work a lot during that time. And I just found myself stepping in and taking care of the more business stuff and felt really comfortable and really good at it. And by the time he came back to work, he was like, wow, you did a really good job of like running things. And I just stepped more and more into that space. And when I was 27 or 28, I think I started my first company. I told my dad, I want to go out on my own. Um, I've got ideas and things that I want to create. And he was very supportive And so I created my own financial planning company and from there went on to do some of the things that you touched on in in my bio. But um, in 2014, I um, decided to turn all of my companies remote because I still massively had that travel, travel bug. I don't even think it's a bug for me. It's just like part of my life. I love to travel. I love to adventure. I love to live in different parts of the world. And the downside of owning my own company at the time was that I was going into my office really early in the morning, staying there till really late at night and finding it harder to kind of take breaks and go overseas and do the different things that I wanted to do. And so I turned all of my companies remote. It was a process, you know, it it took a while to kind of really get there about a year or so, but I very quickly saw the advantages of it for myself and for my team. Mm -hmm. And in 2016, moved to the US, which is a goal that I'd had for a long time. I really wanted to get over here. It's where I live now. Um, And along the way, I had founded a company called Grow My Team, which was a global staffing company to help me find global talent now that I was fully remote. And I had a couple of other founders in there and they we would um, also find talent for their companies. And we had some clients. It was kind of a small business Um, side project. And over the years, that business never really grew. And my co-founders didn't want anything to do with it anymore. And I kept buying them out one by one because I was like, I don't know, there's something here. Remote work has been so great for me. I feel like I I can't let this company go, even though I don't know why. It was very intuitive for me to hold on to it. In 2018, sold all of my financial planning businesses and everything and decided to step full-time in to grow my team as a CEO and really explore this world of remote work as my career now versus like just how I did my career. I actually wanted to start bringing it to other people in the world um, at a much bigger, in a much bigger way. And around halfway through 2019, I came up with the idea of Grow Motely. Um, or I mean, it really feels like I partnered with the universe on that. I don't yeah. even feel like it was my idea. I feel like it just kind of came to me, but um, to create a technology solution to do what we were doing for companies prior in Grow My Team. And I ended up kind of merging Grow My Team into Grow Motely, so it doesn't really exist anymore. Um, but Grow Motely is the world's first end-to-end remote company building platform. So we help companies find to post jobs and find talent, manage their recruitment pipeline, do all of the contracts and payroll. And then we have culture tools and a community that provides a lot of professional support and development um, that exists once people are hired into into the company they work for. So yeah, I love it. It's like incredible work and feels like we are co-creating with our community the future of work. And the future of work to me is, you know, one where work is much more integrated into our lives. It's not really seen as work in the definition that we hold it in today. It's just like this is what I do with my life um, that I love. This is the value that I put out in the world or one of the values that I put out in the world. And that, you know, I think I think that used to really be the domain for us as entrepreneurs, but a lot of people who worked for companies never felt that empowered. But now with remote work and the way we can connect globally and work for any company anywhere in the world, I feel like everybody can have that experience. Oh, my goodness. So much goodness there. And <laughs> you're right. I think you definitely were partnering with the universe when, you know, in 2019, you you uh, had this idea and started moving on it. 
or, or I guess morphing, right? The one thing into yeah. something else. And then I think it was at 2020 when you actually launched, began to launch remotely. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was 20, March 13th, 2020, we closed our pre-seed round, which was the Friday right before COVID and the pandemic. Wow. And I don't even watch the news, so I had no idea this was coming. <laughs> and yeah. very quickly over the next few weeks, I was like, oh my goodness, the entire world is now experiencing remote work. Like what yeah. I thought was going to take 10-ish years just happened. And it was like, we got to we got to run, we got to go a lot faster. And so, you know, the pandemic for us has been the greatest blessing. And obviously I say that with compassion for all of the hardships that have come along with that. And that's a whole separate conversation. But when it comes to um, the positives, you know, we've all experienced working in a way that is different and in a way that is expansive and exciting and the future will be different when it comes to work. And that is incredible. I mean, remote work during the pandemic, you know, also is like not the best version of remote work. Like you're not usually right. stuck in your house yeah. <laughs> and you can't go anywhere and you, you have to stay there with everybody else who lives in your house. And, you know, thankfully right. we're past a lot of that now, but, but generally speaking, the idea of being freed from having to go to an office every day and having to commute and having to do all of that, you know, we now know that that's really unnecessary and we get to create every day as we want it and do the work that we love in the world. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I, I'm a veteran remote worker as well. I think for the most part, I've worked, you know, remote uh, often in my house, but other places since the early 2000s. So I'm right there with you. It's, you know, I wouldn't have ever even worked for a company, whether consulting or full-time, if it were not right, you know, work from home or remote opportunity. Cause I was like, I don't care how much money to offer me. Like I'm not mm-hmm. going to an office every day, you know? And I think so many more people that hadn't even considered that realized for most, they really enjoy that flexibility. You know, that's, it it lets them, like you said, you sort of alluded to define their life and their lifestyle. You know, it lets them incorporate work and hopefully they can find work that they're passionate about into what fits for their current season. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I just think there's so much um, personal sovereignty and empowerment in having your day in a way, planning your day, creating your day in a way that works best for you. Like some of us are morning people, some of us are night owls. I personally do wake up usually kind of early, but I really like to have a slow start to my day. Like I like to meditate and go to yoga and we have a sauna at our house. I like to sauna and then spend some time in the garden. And I like to do all these things like slowly for a couple of hours. And then I love to like get stuck in to my work. It hasn't always been that way. That's the season I'm in right now. But it's so beautiful that as I evolve and shift and, you know, I just had a baby six months ago and all of these different things that come and go in my life, I love that I can kind of work, it fits its way into all of that. It's not like, oh no, what am I going to do? I mean, I have team members who have moved countries while working for me and they don't miss a beat, nothing. It doesn't matter. You can live wherever you want to live. And, uh, you know, things like that, I think are just so incredible and so powerful for people where they don't have to feel like, their job or their work is threatened by evolutions they may be having in their personal lives and their personal nature. Absolutely. And I think you're so right. I mean, the thing is, is I think we are finally starting to, as companies, and obviously you talk about this in your book, we're starting to actually say, hold on, well, what do I want as a leader, as an owner, right? Or a founder of a business? And huh, wouldn't my team also want those similar things, right? And I think some of the things they want often obviously could be flexibility and financial stability. But I think some of the other things are being knowing that their voice is heard, knowing that they are valued, right, for what they're bringing to the table, 
and then being respected that they are adults, right? And we can make Mm -hmm. good choices. And I think that's one thing in the past, a lot of traditional companies didn't necessarily look that way. And I know you talk about that in your book, you know, like someone at, at one of your companies is like, oh, can I get, you know, a day off or a vacation? I don't remember exactly the example. And you're kind of like, hold on, why am, why is a other grown person having to ask me that? You know, it's different, I guess, if you worked in the assembly line or there's something where you have to do a certain thing, but most of us aren't in that role. And so would you say and even then, like, yeah. is it out of the scope to imagine that someone who worked on an assembly line could talk to their colleagues and say, hey, can anybody cover me on Tuesday? I've got to go Absolutely. do this thing. Like, you know, yeah. it's, it's like treating the people who work with us in our teams as as children instead of as the adults they are. And that was exactly the realization I had. It was a woman who wanted to go to her son's play. And at that time I didn't have children. I think she was a little, not a lot older than me, but a couple of years older than me. And I was thinking, why is this grown woman who like looks after a child, which at the time I felt was so like beyond my capabilities asking me if she can take time off. I'm like, this just feels all wrong. Like, of course she can. You know, I, I just, and, and moving to this world where I trust my people to figure out, like I empower them to make their own decisions. That, that means they do need to take responsibility and make sure that if they are going to take Tuesday morning off, like it doesn't impact the company, it doesn't impact their teammates. Like they right. figure it out. And, you know, we've been doing it for years now and no one has ever taken advantage of it. No one has ever, I, I feel like this, the system of empowerment and trust naturally keeps everybody honest, so to speak. I don't even like that, that turn of phrase, right. but you know, when you're working together, you know, I'll help you out. You help me out. Nobody's keeping right. score. And if someone really wasn't pulling their weight, I think pretty quickly they would get weeded out of the system because it just, it wouldn't feel good for anybody. So absolutely. But we haven't absolutely. even had that. <laughs> I I agree with you. I think that that's the point is if we actually respect others, that they are responsible and that they do care about the cause, the vision of the company, right? If we, if the job's been done, which I know we'll talk about a little bit about that later, right? The company culture and vision, but I think then we should trust them to make good choices and for them to, like you said, have coverage for their work. If they, they aren't going to be there or if they're going to take some time off. Yeah. And some jobs, it doesn't matter. Like, I mean, if you're the copywriter or something, you just make sure you write write your copy when when and it's right. due when it's due or what have you. But some people are you know, maybe answering emails or phone calls or maybe they are on some form of production line that kind of matters and that's fine. They just have right. to make sure, hey, does someone else mind doing this for me for a couple of hours while I'm out or a couple of days while I'm on vacation or whatever it might be. So, but yeah, people are well and truly able to do that for themselves. Absolutely. So let me ask you, I think one of the places people get stuck with even realizing, and let's say just as a team member, that they literally can ask for something to look different, right? For their work to look different. But do you have anything to add to that? Like, I know you talk about, we all really do have the power to create, right? And, And it's our, it's really, what is, what do we see as a reality? So would you add anything? I think a lot of people get stuck there. They think, oh my gosh, I can't ask for a raise or I can't ask for different work hours or more flexibility. I mean, we have the power to do, be, create anything we want to be. And all we once we know that and believe that, then we just need to look at, well, why am I not in this instance? Like, what is the block? Right. And it's a hard pill to swallow in a way. Mm-hmm. The level of personal personal responsibility one needs to take in order to fully accept 
and understand the belief that we create everything in our world, it's challenging because yeah. it means you need to sit with the shit, so to speak, that you've created <laughs> yeah. and be like, damn, I created this. And it's okay. Like be compassionate with yourself. You're in the situation situation you're in because of past decisions and past belief systems and conditioning that you have. It's okay. Every moment that you choose to create your future reality, your current reality, you're taking your power back and stepping into a new potential. Um, but it is challenging. And for anyone listening who's thinking, yeah, but not with this, this particular thing or that particular thing I'm stuck with, like, no, that's just conditioning. That's just past stories, things we need to unlearn. And it happens to me still. It happens to all of us where we think, oh, I can create everything, but you know, this part of my life I'm stuck with. Right. Like we're really not, we're not really stuck with anything. And things do happen in the world around us, but we always have a choice of how we respond and where we move from here. And that's the power position, the empowered position for us to step into, for us to embody. And when we do, we actually start to create our future and our reality. So looking at why am I scared to ask for the raise? Like, why can I not write down those reasons why you think you can't and then sit with them and be honest with yourself. Like, are they real? Are they true reasons? Like, you know, my boss is an a-hole. I'm not up for a raise for a year. Like all of these are still just stories. They're not real. Right. You can ask at any time. You may not receive, but you can ask. And if you don't receive, you then think, well, what do I do from here? Is this the right, right place for me? Do I have a choice to create something else? The very first step is understanding that we do create our reality and believing that life can be everything and more than, than you've ever wanted. Um, yeah. It can be that. We don't, this these stories of like, no pain, no gain, or everything comes with sacrifice or all of that kind of that hustle culture as well that we've really just started to come out of, thank goodness, which is very, I think in a lot of ways, you know, there's value in it. It's a very like masculine energy that's not necessarily terrible. Sometimes we've got to hustle. Sometimes we've got to right. dig deep and all of that, but it's not the only way. Like right. things can just come to us. <laughs> it's yeah. possible. Um, so it's really just a, a constant practice of examining like what are the limits what are the what are the stories and limits and beliefs that come up for me that tell me that I can't have something the way that I would most desire it to be yeah oh that's so good and it's so true and I think you know we we have to get used to doing that work and I think if that's new for somebody part of the struggle is we're just not putting in the time regularly to sit with those things, like those questions, like, why am I afraid or worried or thinking this is a bad idea, right? To ask for what I really want or to even be clear on what I really want. So I think those are really good steps and sort of understanding around that. And understanding and being, like I said, being compassionate with the fact that this is a lifelong journey. It's part of the human condition. I've known right. for a very long time that I create my reality, yeah. yet I have slipped into my victim story so many times it's not funny where for, for yeah. that period in time, I can't see, I can't believe in relation to whatever situation that I created this or that I can create this or that I can change it. It, it happens to us. And yeah. that is part of our journey is to continue to just question and we get better and better at it. And mm -hmm. I think now for myself, I stay in it very short or as soon as it comes to my conscious awareness that, oh, hang on, like I'm not stuck here. I, I told myself I was stuck. I'm not stuck. You know, it happens a lot faster for me now, but I'm not perfect. There is no perfect. There's no end goal with any of this kind of inner work or anything that we do. It's not this idea that 
oh, once I read in a book that I create my reality from now on, I create my reality and there's no other way of living. Like it's not like right. that. You know, yeah. if, if it was like that, we wouldn't need, I'm looking around at our bookshelves in my house here. <laughs> we have hundreds of books and I swear to God, they all say roughly the same thing. <laughs> but I think sometimes we need to read it and hear it and absorb it and practice yeah. it many, many different ways in different forms before it starts to become more of, we have more of a normal relationship with it, I suppose. Oh yeah. And on that note, right. It's, You have to keep putting good stuff in, whether that's meditation or podcasts or books or words or people around that are going to keep helping you sort of change your narrative, right? Especially when we live in a world that is constantly telling us the opposite. It is constantly telling us that we are not in control. We are not in our power. There's so much to be afraid of. There's so much to fear. Um, Scarcity, scarcity, scarcity. Like, when we step into this more abundant, expansive way of mm-hmm. being every single day to a, one degree or another, it's a battlefield out there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let me, I think one thing that I love that you touched on, and it's one of my favorite topics is you have figured out, or probably you've always been, mostly been this way, you're curious about things. And I think that that is definitely a telltale sign of people that often are doing a lot of things in their lives, whether it's in business and starting businesses or have ideas they go after, or whether it's in your personal life, right? Taking adventures, trying new things. And so would you, do you have anything to add about that? Because I think being curious, asking questions about what's going on around us, how does something work? Why can't we solve for that? What, how could we do this better? Right. Um, I think that is one of the keys to going after what we want and to being a good leader. Yeah, I think this is a really interesting question and something I reflect on a lot at the moment, having just had my first child. So my husband and I talk a lot about um, how we want to work with Luca as his guides, as we raise him and as nature raises him with us. Um, but one of the things that we've made a decision is we don't want to send Luca to school. And there's a story in the world that says, you know, you need to go to school to learn. And I think that that's not true. I think children are and human beings are innately curious. Mm -hmm. And if you think about the most common question young children ask is why? Right. (laughs) Why? Why, mommy? Why, daddy? Why is it like this? Why is it like that? Why is the sky blue? Why, 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 why? And what happens at school? Because I said so, because the book says so, because that's, that's right. the way it is. And there's a lot of just meeting their curiosity with a blank answer or a very fixed answer. Yeah. And sometimes, unfortunately, not a deep answer just because that's the way it is. Like that's right. not an answer. That's not satisfying the curiosity in the child. But after 12 years of schooling, you know, the curiosity is dimmed and dimmed and dimmed. And unfortunately, I think yep. that for a lot of people, they really lose it. Um, it's probably a, a belief of mine or a suspicion of mine, at least, or an intuition that you know human beings just are innately curious and would remain curious if it wasn't conditioned yep. out of us. Yeah. Um, and so I think fostering that curiosity, I've, I have always been curious for sure. I remember the things that I used to think about when I was a small child you know, I could go down rabbit holes in my mind that were just, and I was just wondering, I was just like, but what would it be like this? What about that? And I would just be going on these little tangents in my mind. And I I have the memories of them. And I, you know, I used to think I was so strange and (laughs) a lot of people um, around me would reflect back to me or the way that I received it was like, 
I don't know why you think so deeply about things, Sarah, like just let it go. Don't worry about it. And I had a story for a long time that I was like overly sensitive and too analytical and too in my mind. Whereas now I've learned to just absolutely love those parts of myself. I love the insane curiosity, the like just total um, unrelenting kind of desire to understand myself, understand the world around me, understand the people around me, understand the dynamic that is created between myself and every other human. Um, I love to understand all of that. And I think to foster that curiosity is to always be asking questions, to not latch to anything as a hard and fast answer. Um, there was a book that my husband and I were listening to a little while ago that and I can't remember the book right now, but they, there was a line in it that was something like beliefs kill intellect. And when you think about it, the moment you attach to a belief and attach to something as being true, you stop any future thinking about that thing. And that's kind of what happens at school. You know, they get taught something and like, this is it, this is gospel, this is the way it is. There's no room for curiosity. What I try to practice in my life now is this resonates with me. That feels like it's right, as they would say. That feels kind of like the way it is. But like I always leave the door open that there could be more to the story. We might learn more about it. I might learn more about it. I might experience more about it. And I try to approach everything in my life like that, that there is nothing. I was thinking of this simple analogy the other day, like, you know, I could say, well, someone could say, well, the sky's blue. We know that. And I can say, well, actually, it's every color of the rainbow. It's purple right. sometimes. It's orange. It's black That's at right. night. It's white. It's gray. I mean, is the sky blue? Well, yeah, but it's also a myriad other things. And I think that's, you know, a s- silly example. But also, if we can start to look at everything in life as this rainbow spectrum of possibility yeah. and understand that nothing is exactly one way, it's just what resonates, what feels right, what's expansive and lean into that versus trying to find the answer and grab onto like something as being gospel and truth and a firm belief and understanding that that really kind of kills that curiosity and kills that ability to continue to problem solve, like to bring it back to entrepreneurship. If if things are a finite way, there's not a lot of room for entrepreneurship. There's not a lot of room for new ways to solve problems and new ways of doing things. But any of the most amazing entrepreneurs and inventors and creators in our world are those who dare to say, this could be done differently. What if it could be like this? What if we could build a world where this happened and they go out and do it? And thank goodness, right? Oh, my gosh. I align so much with all the things you said. But like you said, I think the thing is, is the businesses that fail are the businesses that didn't keep pivoting and iterating being curious and saying, hold on, how could this be done better or different or something? Because to your point, we have to, as humans, one of our gifts is to imagine, right? It's to create and it's um, to imagine something new. And kids, you know, tonight, back to what you're talking about, kids are so good at that. They don't need to be told anything. They can tie reality with pretend world and they can think of things that you're like, wow, what is that you just drew? And it's like a monkey joined with a whatever, you know, but that's because they're not limited. No, no one's told them they can't. Yeah. But I agree with you. Schooling and so many other things, the narrative and culture and society, all it's getting better. It's still, it harnesses our, our gifts and our power, right? That creativity and that curiosity. Mm-hmm. And I do think you're right. As parents and as leaders, we have to be willing to try to empower our kids or our teams to be creative, to be curious, to take time to take a break from the computer or schooling to get outside, to like let our brains kind of 
process and come up with creative problem solving, you know, and part of the way we do that is to have free time or or at least time to think, time to grow. Yeah. I encourage my team, like, you know, it's, I think one of the roles as a leader, while it's everyone's individual responsibility to manage their own kind of life experience, I, I'm always looking out for like, is anyone in my team really stressed or approaching burnout? And like I say, it's not fully my responsibility to spot that. But if I do, I always encourage them, like, remember, like, it's okay for you to take time out. I encourage them to take time out, to switch their phone off, to take a couple of days without anything. And also even go sit in a cafe and just with a notepad and think about work instead of like doing all of the time. Like sometimes we need to get ourselves out of it completely. Sometimes we need to get ourselves out of it and just macro out and like think that was something that I had to uh, evolve into was knowing that me sitting in a cafe thinking about my company is work. Yeah. And, or me sitting on my back deck in the morning, drinking a coffee as the sun rises with my incense lit and a bit of music and I'll start channeling and brainstorming about work. Like that is me working. It's not this idea that I have to be in a place with a computer in front of me tapping away that that qualifies as work, but nothing else does. Like there are so many ways that we're connecting with what Mm -hmm. we're doing in the world and freeing ourselves to um, even know that switching off sometimes is contributing to the bigger picture of us stepping into our fullest potential. Oh, absolutely. And I remember, you know, many books talk about this, but I remember Success Principles, which is not, you know, a new book at all by Jack Canfield. He talks about, you know, you have different days, like you have a prep or planning days. You have like days just where you're kind of learning, educating yourself. You know, those, like you said, mind, you're you're having thoughts, you're writing them down, but you're not necessarily responding to email and, you know, having meetings. So I think it's so important because so many leaders ahead have shown us all work doesn't look the same, but it's when we step away, we actually can really have those ideas or that growth and kind of think things through sometimes. So I think that's, that's a really good point. Yeah. So let me ask you this. You talk about two things in the book that I, I love how you talk about them. And one is how you go after a passion when you decide an idea is something that's just, you you can't stop thinking about it. And then with Mm -hmm. that, you're so good at um, figuring out like, what's your zone of genius? versus what are you just good at? And can you talk to us about both of those ideas? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to jump on the second one first sure. before I forget about it, because I think, so yeah, the concept is there's lots of things we're excellent at, really, really good at, but they're not necessarily the most expansive thing. And then there's like our zone of genius, which is where we absolutely crush it. We also love doing it. And we're in that kind of flow state. Mm-hmm. Now. I think the reason we spend more time in our zone of excellence and our zone of genius is there's way more risk for our ego in zone of genius. So in zone of excellence, it's like, I don't care as much about this thing from a ego, my value Mm -hmm. in the world perspective, but I also know I'll nail it. So it's like basically no risk. I can just come in here and crush this. And even if I mess it up or something, which I probably won't, but I, (laughs) I'm not really risking like my essence of who I'm being. When I do the things that I'm really exceptional at, that I love, Mm -hmm. that are my gift in the world, there's a lot more very unconscious, very subliminal fear that if we mess it up, it's like, I am not good in the world. Like my essence of who I am failed, which is not true. And Jim Carrey, I think said, when I figured out that I could fail at the things that I love, as well as the things that I don't love. 
I thought I might as well try to do just the things that I love. Like when he figured out he yeah. he would fail even at things he didn't care about, he's like, well, <laughs> failure is yeah. there, so I might as well just go for it. But, you know, you can understand yeah. or I can understand, I'm sure our listeners can, that it's more scary to risk the thing that we really love. But I think that's yeah. so important because so many people avoid their zone of genius and avoid doing the thing that they really love and they can't really figure out why. But it's a lot safer to sit in a space where we talk and dream about what we really want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just do the thing that we're really, really good at. And that can be as big as your career. Like you could right. know that you really want to be doing this, but every day you're showing up in this current career that you went to university for, you're, you know, you're excellent at. Um, but for me yeah. as an entrepreneur, like it can just be the thing that I'm doing every day. Like right. I'm really excellent at crushing my email inbox, but that's not really where my <laughs> zone right. of genius lies, you know? Yeah. Um, and then you are, what was the other question you asked? Yeah. Me? And then or actually I want to quick, quick note there. And then I'll ask you the other part of the question. <laughs> if you, if, if the listeners haven't read the book, uh, the big leap that is by Guy Hendricks. And he's the one that I think initially was talking about zone of genius, but it's an excellent book and I would highly recommend it. Mm, I haven't read it, but I learned about it at MIT and it was like yeah. light bulb for me. I was Absolutely. Like, yeah, this it's is- yeah, where we need to be spending our time. Yeah. It's an amazing book. And he came out with a new book, I think in the last year, I could have the date wrong, but it's called, I think it's called The Joy of, of Genius, but it's a much smaller book. Oh, cool. um, so my other question for you was, you talk about your passion in sort of oh, like, yes, you don't just start ideas. a business on an idea. You start a business mm-hmm. idea when you're kind of like, I know it solves a problem that I can't stop thinking about. So I would mm-hmm. love to tell you, so tell the listeners a little bit about that, because I think that's such a lovely way to consider our ideas or things we're considering stepping into. Yeah. And I, if you're an entrepreneur, you'll resonate with it, this, but I mean, we're constantly solving problems and ultimately constantly coming up with ideas. I mean, we can walk into any business probably and see better ways for things to be done. Um, and everything we experience in life is like yeah. a potential business idea. So, and then every so often, you know, one really kind of comes up and you start thinking about it, but ideation is easy and fun. Um, It's the best part in a lot of cases of of starting a business. And once we get going with the idea, it's a lot of repetition. It's a lot of keep going, keep going. Now there's always literally many ideas within the business that we, and many problems and, you know, it it never ends, but like that first kind of juicy, oh my goodness, we're going to bring this to the world is the most exciting. Mm -hmm. And I think where I sit with ideas to be sure, is to de- delineate between the ones that come along that are exciting, that have opportunity, that seem really fun, but like, am I really going to enjoy, like, do I care enough about that problem being solved, the impact it will have on the world to do the boring stuff that comes with it, to do right. all of the grunt work and the grind work that comes five years yeah. down the track, 10 years down the track. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be I do like starting things. I've started a number of things, but I generally see them through to a completion of some right. description. I don't want to be starting things and dropping them within a couple of months because I'm now onto the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And then I don't really end up ever actually, you know, getting anywhere. So it's really about what sitting with something long enough to say, what do I want to actually see through to completion? And I I see it like dating. I I actually say that, like I'm dating the idea because if anyone's been in the dating game where maybe you're on an app or whatever you're doing, you're just meeting people and you're going (laughs) on dates, like 
a lot of attractive people out there, a lot of exciting people out there. Right. Um, but not all of them are going to be exciting in a year or two. So it's like when you're in that dating stage, you're, you're seeing, well, do I want to go on another date with you? Do I want to keep, is there enough kind of here that feels like it could be something bigger picture versus you're just fun for me to be around right now. Um, right. and I think, you know, the, the best, most integral way to date is to be more honest with ourselves and with our partners that, or with the people we're meeting, I should say about where we're at and how we're feeling about these things. Mm-hmm. But that is the dating process, really. It's like right. trying to decide whether or not this is someone that you would want to spend more time with. Um, doesn't have to be forever, but more time with on a, on a longer term basis. And I right. think that's the way I look at ideas is like, all right, I'm going to date you for a while. I'm going to, I'm going to get to know you. I'm going to sit with you and I'm going right. to see how much I continue to think about you. And if you're still there in a month and two months and three months, and some of my ideas, it's been years before I've taken them because I'm like really wanting to make sure and maybe I have other things going on or something mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, if I implemented everything I've ever thought of, I mean, I wouldn't get anything done. Right. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can align because I'm definitely love the ideation and, and I, you know, making things happen, but it, you know, I'm sure we have all the lists, right. Of all the ideas we could start. So I just love that you kind of talk about how it's when the idea doesn't, won't leave you, the problem to solve won't leave you. And you just keep thinking about it, you know, like mm-hmm. what would, why would I, if I don't do this, what would it look like? Right. Like you want to yeah. make that impact in the world. So I think that's just really great and lovely the way you frame it. So let me ask you, because you, of course, in the book, you talk quite a bit about um, our personal culture and then company culture. So I love some of the things you talk about with, you know, it's about consistency, of course, and it's about repetition, right? We have to keep telling that story and keep sharing those values. So was is there anything about that from your learnings that you would share with us, you know, as far as, as we're leading companies and just leading our own lives? Yeah, I think it's like everything in life, but when we bring intention to it, and we practice it regularly, it becomes a more ingrained part of who we are. And that's the way I see company culture and the way that I kind of learned it, I suppose, is it once we identify who we are as a company, our values and where we're going, what our vision is and why we exist, let's talk about it regularly and let's wrap it back into and tie it back into the things that we're doing every day and talk about that as a team so that we really deeply start to understand our culture, who we are, um, talk openly when we maybe act in a way that's not in our culture and like, oh, what's my learnings to come back to center kind of thing. And that intentionally creates um, that culture and that way of being. And I think we cultivate that within ourselves, right? If I have a morning ritual every day, or if I, you know, have a good practice of curiosity or a good practice of honoring my body with the food that I eat, like whatever it is that I'm putting intention to, I don't Mm -hmm. just do it once. I don't just one time read a book on, I don't know, yoga and then be like, cool, I read the book, like I'm good (laughs) forever. It's like, no, I have to continue to practice yoga. And sometimes, you know, it might be okay for me to just do it alone in my garden. And then other times I want to go to a class and I want that Mm -hmm. input from the outside world. And it's this constant cultivation and intentional practice to deepen who I am, to deepen who that culture is within the team or what that culture is, sorry, within the team. And I just, I think early on in my career as a leader, I thought, well, if I tell my team the values once, like, cool, I've told them, like they should know. And then I realized, well, of course they're not going to remember it six months later, a year later, like, we haven't really ingrained it. We haven't really talked about it. Do I even know if they really understood it the first time I said it, 
let alone the fact that that was six months ago and now they can't even remember what it was. So yeah, I, I first found it to be like repetitive and I felt a bit stupid always like yeah. a bit silly, like always trying to do little exercises and games to remind everyone who we are and what we are. But now I've found my feet with it. I feel really confident and I, I know how important it is for us to constantly be reminding ourselves of who we are and who we want to be in the world. Yeah. And I actually love some of your examples. I, you know, I, I think you talk about early on in, in your you know, running of businesses, you know, you had this cool hip kind of, you know, smaller, you know, office, or maybe it was a house, but it was an office, but you know, the turnover wasn't as good as it should have been and all these things, but you basically are like, yeah, it looked shiny and fancy and cool. And we had the cool, you know, extras, but at the end of the day, that's not culture, right? I mean, that's nope. <laughs> extras, if you will. But so I loved how you talked about like, that's the outside. That's what the world sees, but it's internally. What do we really stand for? And are we actually then doing those things, right? Like the valuing people and valuing, you know, that they can make good decisions and that we can have some flexibility and right. And then doing those things actually, and giving your team those tools and those resources or those, that freedom, I guess. And it is funny how one of the most common questions I've been asked over the last year and a half, particularly Mm -hmm. last year, I think it's starting to shift now, but companies were so panicked about how they were going to create culture remotely. And it's fascinating because it's like your culture is not a building or like a ping pong table or free food. Like that's not really your culture. Those are some physical material things. The culture is like how you treat each other, how you relate with time or how you relate with I don't know, anything in the business. It's really how everybody shows up energetically with each other, with their work, how everyone interacts with customers, with all of it. Um, And if the physical presence is aligned with that, it certainly supports it, but Mm -hmm. it's not everything. Um, And even, I think even people get confused between like, well, we go for drinks every Friday night and that's our culture. And it's Mm -hmm. like, well, I mean, that's, a fun thing that you all do together, but it's also not your culture. It's still just like a thing that you do, but the way that you talk with each other, when you go out, the way that you interact, like that's your culture. And how do you like get into the essence of that and trust that that exists beyond, you know, a physical space? It, it definitely does. And one of the things that I reminded people of is since, I don't know, whenever Facebook was invented 2007 or something, but let's say since late 2000s, um, we've been building and maintaining relationships online and from a distance for a very long time um, and just have a little more faith in our ability to do so and our ability to understand who we are as an organization, irrespective of our office or not. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and I think, um, you know, you've, you alluded to this, but yeah, it's more about the values and then the way we treat both our, you know, and serve our clients, our team members, employees, whatever, our partners. And so two good examples, I'll just mention real quick in um, the book Giftology. I don't know if you've read that by uh, John Rulin. He talks about, so his company is basically about corporate gifting, but like not with your name on the pen, right? Like we're talking about extreme gift giving, super unique mm-hmm. that people, meaningful gifts. But he talks about he, so some of his clients, of course, are like five-star, you know, level of uh, service. And so he doesn't just try to say to his team, like, that's what we expect our team to give to our clients. He will then send his, you know, some of his team when they're new 
and go stay at like the Ritz Carlton or somewhere so they can experience top level service. Mm-hmm. He also, I think in his book explains that he sends, he allows, he gives his team cleaning person coming twice a week to their home. Because once again, he's like, if this is what we're talking about is gifting people in this meaningful way, and I wouldn't do it for my own team, then I'm saying one thing and doing another. Mm-hmm. And so I think he has some really great, even those books about corporate gifting, it's really quite amazing because he's really set his culture up to align with this is how we want to serve our clients and our partners. I'm going to treat my team that same way, you know, yeah. and I think that's just quite lovely. Uh, so let me ask you before we can wrap it up, is there any last things you'd like to share just on the topics that you cover so lovely? Um, or are there any resources that you're really digging right now, like books or podcasts that you think people would really enjoy? I do want to share a story that um, just popped into my mind when you said, you know, about this theme of practicing what you preach. And I think it's really important to stay curious with ourselves and stay honest with ourselves and also own when sometimes we get out of alignment as leaders. Um, We, a few months ago, we were figuring out, we have an unlimited leave policy at work. And so basically, as we were talking about earlier, like you can take whatever leave you need, just organize yourself so that nobody else kind of suffers with you being away. And we were talking about, well, how do we make sure everybody knows who's on leave when? And at the time, my ops manager, Cass, had said, well, let's just set up this calendar and then everybody puts their leave in the calendar. And I said, oh, people won't do it. So can you just do it? Let's just make it that we ask every week in the team meeting and then whoever tells you, then you put it in. And she was like, yeah, but we have this value of trust and empowerment. Don't you think like we should empower people? And I was like, yeah, but people just don't do it. And I really pushed her (laughs) on it. And I was like, just, you just do it. And then I don't know. I can't remember what clicked, but I made her do it for a while. Yeah. And I kind of like overrode her, which I don't usually do, but I was just like, no, this will just be too hard. Like it's just, (laughs) you just do it. And, um, and she was like, okay, cool. And then, yeah, a few months later, I was like, it just like clicked in my mind what she was Mm -hmm. trying to say to me. And I was like, she's so right. What am I talking about? Like, of course, everyone needs to just enter their own leave. We need to empower them. And if they don't do it and it messes someone up, like that's part of our learning process as a team and as theirs. And I was like, oh, and I went to her and I was like, I actually did it in front of the whole team. I was like, I'm so sorry. Like Cass was totally right. And I just overrode her in a really obnoxious way because I just wasn't like thinking deeply about the situation. And, you know, I think that's just important for everyone to know, like we all have blind spots. Even I have blind spots. I think I do a great job of entrusting trusting and empowering my team 90% of the time. But every so often I get stuck in an old story where I'm like, eh, no, let's just do it this way. Let's just process drive it because people won't be responsible. I'm like, hang on, that's not what I'm creating. And whenever I think that I can't create it, that will be my reality, you know? Right. So I just wanted to share that because I think it's important to know that, yeah, we all have our blind spots. We all miss things and we're all only trying to be as good as we can be. We're not perfect, but being honest and open with ourselves, with our teams, when we make those kind of errors of judgment or where we miss the mark is like, you know, very important and helps us to continue to evolve and grow the culture. Oh, and two things on that real quick. The first is you're so right. What do they say? I mean, we are going to elevate to what we're what's expected of us most most of the time, right? Humans. So even if the team in the past hasn't done one uh, something one way, doesn't mean we can't do it another way. Which you surely know that. But you know, I think it's good to remind ourselves of that because even in companies I've been with or helped, 
you know, they get stuck in that, like, oh, too many people are dinosaurs. They don't want to change to this new system, but they will over time. And maybe if it's not too much change at one time, you know, so like you said, you sometimes we do have to be honest about our own um, past narrative of what we're telling ourselves. But I want to say one thing about parenting too. I have older kids, whereas you have the baby, but I've found myself in hindsight realizing like, oh, I want my kid to clean the room. I want them to do something. And what I didn't know at that exact moment was I was like, no, you need to do it right now. But it was like, but why? Like, why did I need to force them, like force my, what I wanted them to do? And later I realized, and sometimes I was, I got better at this. We don't have to force them. It's kind of like, what do I really need? Do I need it done today? Or I just need them to do it this week or what, what, you know? And so I had to reframe, like, I'm kind of forcing on my child, like do this thing. Like it didn't seem unreasonable at the time. Right. But it, it kind of was in some sense, like my kid's kind of like, but why now? Like, can't I do it tomorrow? And morning? that's that and curiosity, then, right? That we kill right. by saying, because you have yes. to, because I said so. And I mean, I can already see how hard it yeah. is. Like we, we have a nanny and between my nanny, my mm-hmm. husband and myself, we've all given ourselves permission to call each other out when we're not being conscious in the right. way that we're parenting or leading yeah. Luca, because it's so easy to get just stuck in. And you don't you're even busy, know. You're you're like, just, just do it now. Because that's, I mean, I'm not yet at this point of right, telling right. Luca because he's too young, but there are still things we catch ourselves um, saying, good boy, good job, good, right. good, good. And we're right. like, hang on. No, no, no. Let's use a little bit more of an extensive vocabulary as right, he's like right. learning and growing because yeah. the whole good, good, good thing is just, you know, not right. productive when they yeah. get older and they're just trying to be perfect for you now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And last thing on that, it's kind of that whole, and this is the same with work. This is the same for personal development, but with children, it's growth mindset versus fixed. Right. And so mm-hmm. the more we tell our kids or even our team, like, good job. Like you finish the thing that is good. We should reward progress and accomplishment, but we also, and more importantly, need to reward the effort, the journey, the hard work, the learning. Right. And so that's something else I would just leave us with today. Right. Is at the end of the day, the growth mindset is us being curious. It's us willing to learn new things and then implement those things. Agree. And I think it's just challenging ourselves to use, to be curious with what is the message we're actually trying to say, like rather than just saying, good job, what's the message really? Like, hey, I really want to reflect back to you guys how hard I've seen you work over the last week and the results that you're getting here. Like, I know you were struggling with it a week ago. You Mm -hmm. put in effort and now you're getting results. Like, that's amazing. That's so much better than just good job, like, well done, way to go. Like, let's get a little deeper with the feedback we're giving with the message we're trying to communicate because when we limit ourselves to just these yes, no, black, white, good, bad, it's just like we're dumbing down for us and for them what the experience actually is. Um, Yeah, it's. Oh, so true. So true. Such good thoughts there. Well, Sarah, oh my gosh, thank you so much for your time today. I think so many amazing nuggets and information in there and stories that you shared. And I think the work you're doing is so important as being somebody that's worked from it for so long. And I'm so passionate about helping people kind of go after their best lives and define life on their terms. I love that you're empowering businesses to hire people in that way. And then obviously helping people find people or have a way to find those companies. So I think it's amazing. Your book is just beautiful. And uh, how can people find you online and learn more about your book and your podcast and all that great stuff? 
Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a wonderful conversation. Uh, Growmotely.com is the company. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn and social media and all the places, Sarah Hawley. Um, and yeah, reach out. Don't be a stranger. My book is available on Amazon. I think it's about to come out in audiobook, but it, so I'm not sure when the timing is on that, but it's already available on Kindle, hardcover, paperback and everything. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time today. Oh my gosh. I love the conversation today with Sarah. I think uh, there are so many things we can take away to apply to our own lives, whether we're just trying to create a better life for ourselves or if we're running a business or starting one and we need to build culture around that and a team to get behind the vision that we are setting out for them. And I want to leave you with this quote from the book Wonder Switch by Harris III. He says, Maybe you want to start a business you've always dreamed of. Maybe you want to step outside your comfort zone to cultivate a relationship you've been desiring. Maybe it's time to ask for a raise or promotion at work to better position you to live the purpose you feel you're on this planet to fulfill. What is your moonshot? What do you aspire to accomplish or become? I hope your curiosity is the beginning to become greater than your fear of the unknown. If not, what can you do to fuel it? How can you put your wonder to work as your wonder switch begins to turn back on, how can you be more in- intentional about observing the world around you? What is the last experience you had that made you think, wow, up until this point, I've given the information age a pretty hard time, but it does come with a long list of benefits. As with most things, it's really about finding balance. Awe inspiring images and stories that can awaken our wonder are merely a click away. When is the last time you allowed your curiosity to take you on a trip down the rabbit hole to Wonderland? Eleanor Roosevelt once said, I could not at any age be content to take my place by the fireside and simply look on. Life was meant to be lived. Curiosity must be kept alive. One must never, for whatever reason, turn his back on life. Perhaps it was the value she placed on curiosity that led Mrs. Roosevelt to also say, I think at a child's birth, if a mother could ask a fairy godmother to endow it with the most useful gift, that gift would be curiosity. He goes on to say, if we continue to turn back to the mindset we had as children, we find how much easier it was to live curious lives back then. No one taught us as children how to be curious. We just were. No one asks how to motivate babies to observe the world around them. We naturally explored our surroundings. Curiosity doesn't die any more than wonder dies. It's crushed and lulled asleep, and it takes our ability to be curious into a coma along with it. Have you turned your back on life? Did someone take the wow of your youth and how it to death? Stealing your most useful gift? If so, it's not too late. Through a reawakening of wonder, your curiosity can come back to life. But once it does, you must cultivate environment where that wonder and action can thrive and be sustained. Sir Ken Robinson said, You can't just give somebody a creative injection. You have to create an environment for curiosity and a way to encourage people to get the best out of them. Curiosity can propel your rocket to the moon, but unless it's sustainable, you'll run out of fuel. Taking a moonshot requires the right attitude and the right atmosphere. You have to develop a wonder mindset and the ability to sustain that mindset through the right environment. The combination of those two things will make you unstoppable, taking places you never thought possible. Oh my goodness. So many words of wisdom in there. And as I've talked about on the show before, I think we so undervalue curiosity and creativity, which leads to innovation and creative problem solving. So I would just say to you, find your wonder, find your curiosity, try to be a little more like your kid self. Here's 
to finding our moonshots. I think we do need to know what we want in order to define life on our terms. And we have to be willing to break the past scripts so that we can move into better and more beautiful and amazing things. And if you're looking to figure out what it is you can go after, what creative pursuit you can start, jump on over to my website at kristenfitch.com and go under resources. There is a no limits, create, scale, and monetize your creative passion printable PDF that I would love for you to grab and start taking uh, your dreams seriously and get. let's get going. You can start going after your dreams today. And if you enjoyed the show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have ideas for the show or guests that you'd like to recommend, I'd love to hear from you. So DM me on Instagram at Kristen Fitch, or you can email me from the website. Thanks so much. And thanks again for listening in. Until next time, have a great week.